Hi, this is Jonathan Tiersten, Ricky from Sleepaway Camp. But if you think this show sucks, then eat shit and live, asshole. Alright, welcome to the final installment of our Sleepaway Camp Retrospective. In this one, we are going to cover Return to Sleepaway Camp and a little bit of Sleepaway Camp the Survivor, Part 4, if you want to call it that. And there is no better ending to a Sleepaway Camp Retrospective than sitting down with Ricky himself, yes, Jonathan Tiersten. Ricky from Sleepaway Camp 1983 and Return to Sleepaway Camp. No, there is no better ending. Jonathan, just want to thank you for joining us for the final installment of our Sleepaway Camp retrospective. How you doing, bro? Out here in California doing stuff for this zany business again. So, uh, yeah, I'm supposed to have a couple meetings. I have an audition in Arizona coming up. So Cool. Sounds good. So, you know, obviously, you know, this summer came back and... Uh, Sleepaway camp fevers back, and you know we we decided to do a little retrospective thing, and I believe you got to hear a little bit of it. I did. I was well, and you guys know you know far more you know about uh, the series than I do because I've never seen two, three, or four. Really, really. I was actually going to get to that. You've <laughs> 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 you never even now tell me how do you go that you know. That's your whole thing besides the music and when you go to these conventions and people, millions of questions. How is it you never were curious to even know what they did after your movie? Yeah, wow. What a question. I don't know. I, I think if you asked me, you know, in five-year segments, I think I would give you different answers every time. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think at one point I was angry mm-hmm. because I wasn't asked to be in the first sequel. Right. And I didn't really, I didn't really understand why. And that's when I was still in the business. And then, uh, you know, and then I quit the business for quite some time. And so it never really occurred to me at that point. I didn't really watch Sleepaway Camp 1 either for probably 15 years. And, and then uh, I started doing the conventions. Frankly, people just don't ask me about the other ones that often. I think they ask Felissa more because, you know, her character was played by someone else. So for me, it, you know, it was almost as if they just didn't exist. Yeah, it's really, that's really interesting. I mean, they had nothing to do with the first one, as far as I could tell, from what people say. So, right. Why is it that you never watched the first one for fifteen years? Did you like? Did you not like it? Like, was it not a good experience, or you thought? No, it was a fan- fantastic experience for me. There was a whole period of where it was very hard for me to be known for just one thing because I was trying so hard to do something else. Right. And I think that's why I kind of had to separate myself from it when I was trying to uh, establish myself as a musician and a singer-songwriter. And, you know, I think for years, and I don't feel that way now at all, but for years I think I was frustrated because no matter what I did, that's what I was known for. Right, yeah, like, it's weird because there's a lot of people that have, you know, they did one movie and then they did 30 other movies, but people only remember what they did on Nightmare on Elm Street Part 4, you know what I mean? Right, right, right. No, and I totally, I totally understand that. I think I did feel that way for a number of years. I've, I've really learned to embrace Sleepaway Camp, especially with this, 
second go around in the business because what it really did was, you know, help me to get back into the business, you know, pretty easily. And that's, you know, not something people can usually do after they leave something for 20 years. And so, you know, I have to be grateful to the film for that. And, and now, you know, that I go back and watch the film and stuff, I, you know, I liked Ricky. You know, that was a really happy, that was a really happy period in my life. Uh, and I liked, you know, uh, that kid. I loved the experience. So I, you know, I think now I'm a little more nostalgic and uh, grateful about it. And I think, you know, anyone who knows me knows that I'll get on to, you know, I'll start asking the person I'm talking to about their life, and we'll get on another subject before you know it. And I think anybody who's met me at the convention knows that, you know, I'm not going to be standoffish, but I'll, you know, I'll talk to you about anything. I don't care what it is. Yeah, me and you were in the bar talking for two hours. I mean, <laughs> and I don't think we talked about sleepaway camp once. <laughs> No, that's because I was too busy missing my Q and A. Yeah, right. Oh, I love, I, you know, I love all the, you know, all the theorizing and stuff that goes on. I think one of the, one of the things that I noticed, and I was just staying at my friend uh, Ron Oliver's house. And he's he's a director, and he, uh, in fact, he wrote and directed Prom Night Two and Three. You know, the uh, what is it, Goodbye Mary Lou or whatever series yeah. part. Yeah. Uh, and he, you know, Ron is is very funny about it. But I said. Here's what's really weird about the, the Sleepaway Camp thing is I said, now, 30 years later, the legitimate reviews are coming in. And right. so what you get is you get these guys who are really good writers uh, talking about Sleepaway Camp and really, I mean, really dissecting it. Yeah. You know, and I, it's, I think it's funny. I think it's great. I mean, I, if it's well written, I don't care. Write about whatever, you know. They're not writing about the crying game. Yeah, exactly. You see, that's what we do on the show. Like, when we did that retrospective that, that you heard, as you could tell, we were getting nerdy about it. And, you know, did, was Angela staring at Judy because she was attracted to her? You know, I caught that all part. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I was like, because I had never thought about it. I'm like, oh, I don't know. What was she? <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I thought it was just that typical blank stare. And then all of a sudden, I watched it again for the show, and I was like, you know, I wonder what she's actually, you know, what's going through her mind there. But, you know, it's it's a movie. <laughs> but, you know, whatever. Well, Felicia Rose is a great actress, I mean, and even with just that blank stare, you know, she, she emoted a lot. Uh, yeah. I think that's one of the hooks to the film, you know. Right. Yep, definitely. Yeah. You know, well, now, you you liked Ricky. Now, uh, I just want to know, did that Yankee shirt, did, did Ricky pick <laughs> that out or did Jonathan pick that out? Uh, Ricky, in fact... Well, Ricky didn't even pick it out. The Yankee shirt was picked out by the uh, uh, wardrobe people, and I had a, and I had real issues with it <laughs> because because I'm a Mets fan, and my brother Michael, my older brother Michael, was a Yankees fan, and so he took great pride in the fact that I was wearing, and he gave he gave me terrible ribbing about it too, <laughs> that I was wearing a Yankee shirt. You know, Robert Hiltzik is a huge Yankees fan. In fact, when we filmed Return, we were watching the World Series, I remember. But I was like, I can't believe you're going to make... I was more upset about that than a cowboy hat, you know? <laughs> and, uh, but the short shorts, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. Those were mine. <laughs> I, I went to the first audition with those short shorts and that Tequila Sunrise shirt on. Really? I, I kid you not. All right, just tell me Chino's shirt, that cutoff shirt, was not his, though. <laughs> No, no. Nor did I ever cut the sleeves off of any of my shirts, which if you could see my arms, you would know why. 
uh, you know. Uh, yeah, so for the short short, yeah, I've always been very proud of my legs. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, I have no issues there. Yeah, no, no, you did it. You did an excellent job. You know, it's funny. Like when I watch this, you know, I have to think of other things. You know, for the show and stuff. And and one thing that came to mind: what did your parents think about like all the the language and stuff? Like, did they care? Were they like, honey, you know, our family's going to see this and things like that? My family thought the same thing. They and I uh, I'll probably hear this someday, but they thought the same thing. They thought about pretty much everything else I did. Uh, they didn't really care. <laughs> you know, it was. Uh, you know, the fact that I did a movie uh, it just didn't really mean very much to them. It still doesn't, you know. Wow. Just, uh, that's just the way things are in my family, you know. And uh, that it had that, you know, completely twisted ending. Uh, you know, I never heard anything from my parents about that. Really? Nothing, yeah. They weren't like, why are you in such a sick movie? Did you read the script? They didn't say nothing. Nothing, nothing. In fact, I had a conversation with my mom recently you know, because I had just done The Perfect House, and then I did another movie called Redemption, and I, you know, and then uh, now I just got booked for a movie called The Falling One, The Fallen One, and I, you know, I, I go, I'm a mass, I'm a mass murderer in one, I'm a child predator in the second, and I'm a coke addicted biker in the third, <laughs> and I think wow. that's the first, that's the first time that she ever was like, why can't you just say somebody nice? <laughs> I was like, at 40 years old. Yeah, I was like, Ricky was nice. You didn't care about Ricky. What's the difference? Right. <laughs> but, but uh, yeah, no, they never said the word boo, you know? Uh, and so I, you know, the ending to me was like, I, it did, I don't know why. I still think back on this. It didn't, didn't surprise me. It didn't, nothing. I, I just was like, oh, that's a little weird. Uh, wow. And I think I was, I think I was one of the only ones who had the original script, you know? One of the stories that Angela told us is that the kid... Who, who was there naked, he had to get totally wasted on a bottle of Jack, and then I heard the story of the two kids who were smoking pot under the dock. They they actually were, and they were high during that scene. Yes, they were. Yeah, and then I hear everyone's totally like just getting bombed, drinking the whole time. Now, you were pretty young. Were you able to sneak a few beers or no? I snuck a ton of beers. Kidding. <laughs> uh, and cigarettes, too. Uh, yeah, I was... Uh... The, uh, uh, I, I had one of the PAs stay with me, and he was supposed to be, like, my babysitter. He did a very poor job. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I had plenty. <laughs> I had plenty of beers. In fact, the director of photography came up to me at one point and said, you're supposed to be 14. You can't mm. show up here with bags under your eyes. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, uh, uh Sorry. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so there was there was a lot of beer drinking going on. I, you know, I wouldn't drink, you know, the days that I was shooting. You know, you know, you couldn't be out, but, right, right, uh, right, right. But you know, it's not like we were showing up on you know uh, for shooting drunk. But yeah, there was you know we were just being kids. You know, Felissa wasn't drinking. Yeah, yeah. You know, she was there with her mom. It was just the rest the, the rest of us idiots. You know. <laughs> hey, no problem with that. Yeah, and I, it was funny, though, because it was sort of that little high school dynamic, too, though, where, like, Tom Vandell and John Dunn, you know, the two guys you're talking about, mm-hmm. uh, they, you know, they kind of separated themselves from me, and that was, it was a little frustrating, you know, because they really weren't very much older, but they were like, it was like being in high school or camp all over again, where they were like the big kid, you know, and right. I was just a little punk, and so, yeah, we were, uh, you know, I, we got along okay, 
but it was you could tell that there was like they were the cool kids because they were tall and big. Yeah, you should have been like, well, I'm the star asshole, so have fun being tall. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I, I think I did kind of feel that way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, I guess we all have our moments, right? And what was the other thing you mentioned? I forgot. There was one other. There was the smoking pot. What was the other Drinking one? Drinking beer and oh, just the kid who got naked had a bottle oh, of Jack Daniels. Oh, yeah, that was that was it, that was that shocked. Right. They had to they had to shave him because he yeah. was a really hairy he was a really hairy guy, <laughs> and he was completely regretting doing this. Right. And so yeah, they plied him with a bottle of Jack Daniels, and the kid was just weeping. Like, you, like, really? like something out of yeah, like something out of a Greek tragedy. And I, of course, was laughing so hard my sides hurt. <laughs> Were you there during that shoot? I was. I was. I was. I was the only actor allowed on that uh, on that shot. Wow! And he had to wear the Felissa mask. Yeah, that must have looked weird in real life, right? That mask was staring at me every time I went into the makeup room. It's very strange. Uh, they, they, I think they have two of them. Uh, you know, because when they did my. Uh, where I get beat up, and it's funny because it doesn't read that much on screen. But th- I had uh, four hours of makeup for them to put the latex on my face, and uh, they shoved all these things up my nose to make it look all busted. Uh, right. If they if they had waited a few years, they wouldn't have to do any of that. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but and then I had to have you know I had to have the uh, the capsules in my mouth to spit the blood. Right. When, when he goes, he's alive. Yeah. You also said you didn't watch Return to Sleepaway Camp. Now, here's why I, I was, I'm was i pretty curious, because I was going to ask you what you thought of Return to Sleepaway Camp, but did you see the finished product even once? Nope. No? And why is that now? I was in a pretty crummy place emotionally when we shot it, mm-hmm. and uh, so I wasn't happy with my performance, okay. and so I just didn't want to see it, and I, I never have. And now that I'm, you know, legitimately, you know, with both barrels, you know, back in the business, I don't have a problem watching the stuff I'm doing now because I know I'm, you know, doing it with the right uh, intensity and concentration and all of those things. So, uh, yeah, Return was it's just, uh, it holds no uh, allure for me. No, no sentimental... No, I just know my performance. I know, and I haven't seen it, but I know it, it wasn't good. So, uh, yeah, I just, uh, I'm like, I'd rather watch something I feel like I did a good job in. Right. I don't like watching myself, you know, in general mm-hmm. on screen. I find that to be very difficult. Um, I, I'd much prefer to listen to myself play music than <laughs> watch myself act. But uh, acting is something that I've gotten back into, and I. You know, it was what I was trained for in college. Uh, so I'm, I'm now I'm taking it as seriously as I take my music. So I think. Oh really? Yeah, I'm sure there's some deeper psychological reasons for why I don't watch Return. Uh, <laughs> but you know, I'd have to go to a therapist to find out. <laughs> and you don't really care that much, right? <laughs> no, it doesn't. Yeah, I'd rather you know figure out how to get my uh, six-year-old to stop complaining about going to day camp. You know? <laughs> And he's the coolest. He's the coolest kid ever. He's gonna be way cooler than Rick. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Wow, that's awesome. And but one thing, when I talked to to Felissa Rose, she said, "Are you gonna ask him? I I know you know what's coming." Sex, 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 sex. What? 
looking at me? Sorry. <laughs> okay, so you and Felissa, <laughs> 20 years after sleepaway camp wraps up, you and Felissa meet up again and sparks start flying. Yep. And you're like, well, you know, how about, uh, you know... You know, we, we, we dated for uh, two days on set. You know, now we're older now, and uh, you're single. I'm single, so. You know, I mean, it was it was inevitable. I, I think it was an itch that needed to be scratched with the two of us. And, right. you know, I think, you know, I think in general, two actors trying to be in a real relationship is faster. Um, you know, she is an amazing lady, a fantastic mom, great wife. And she's my best friend. I mean, and so again, I don't think I think everything ended up the way it should have ended up, and that really worked out well for both of us. I think it helped wow. us, uh, you know. And we're, you know, we give each other a lot of emotional support. You know? Wow, you're you're best friends, so you talk like every every week or every two weeks or every month at least. Oh, no, we talk more, way more than that. Um, wow. Yeah, we talk several times a month. Uh, wow, we, that's great. We, yeah. Well, and I mean. You know, we go to these conventions more often than not as a package deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, we're sort of like Abbott and Costello. We're, you know, we're just, <laughs> we just, we crack each other up. And she is so funny. Oh, my God. Dude, you have no idea. I mean, she could do stand-up if she wanted to. She is hysteric, hysterically funny, self-abasing, you know. Uh, she's very comfortable in her own skin. Yeah. When we aired the interview... The most feedback we got is everyone said what a great sense of humor she had. Oh, she is, yeah. She's one of the funniest people I know. And, yeah. Uh, and she, so, I mean, anybody, you know, who can make you laugh is a good friend to have. Yes. And she said that, uh, she claimed that you said to her that she scares you. Always. Always. Yeah. Her, yeah. She's, she's, she's just, I, I think what I see in Felissa is a lot of myself. She's very intense and, and emotional. And uh, right. I, I didn't need two of me. <laughs> <laughs> One was enough. My God, you know. Yeah, yeah. You need some yin yang going on, right? Yeah, my wife and I are. You know, we 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 have many things in common philosophically, but she believes that you know you don't say anything unless you really have something to say. Whereas I'm, you know, constantly like, you know, Robin Williams meets Steve McQueen or something. But uh, <laughs> you know, because I go from like I can't shut up to I'll. I'll shut up for days, you know, because I like being by right. myself, too. Yep. But whereas my wife is far more consistent than I am. And so that's a nice mm-hmm. balance, you know. And, and she's also much smarter than I am and much more <laughs> beautiful. So, you know, it's a, it's a pretty good balance. Um, yep. Sounds awesome. Yeah. You know, and I always laugh because you see Sleepaway Camp, and I always tell people that, you know, yeah, Ricky is like, you guys are crazy, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And, I said, in yeah. real life, if you see us, it's like, yeah, I'm the one who's clamming up and she's the one yelling. <laughs> right. Yeah, so, and she's all quiet in the movie, yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, <laughs> That's funny, man. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's nothing better than a, you know, than a stunningly beautiful woman who is not afraid of, you know, uh, you know, looking silly. Yeah. You yeah. know, and she's got that in space. Yeah. So are you coming, are you guys going to do any package deals? I know Monster Mania is coming up again. Well, the next one that she and I are doing um, is uh, Spooky Empire in Florida. Okay. And that's, uh, I, was, I was trying to do um, Days of the Dead with her, which is coming up next week, I think, or two weeks, but it just right. didn't work out schedule-wise. But then we're doing Spooky Empire in Florida, and that's going to be a big one, because I think they're bringing in uh, Aunt Martha and some other people, too. 
Yeah, there was a lot of talks about Sleepaway Camp reunion because you got Aunt Martha back. Now, would you still be willing to do the reunion if Robert Hiltzik gets it going? Yeah, I'd do it in a heartbeat. Of course I would. You know, and plus it's an excuse to hang out with Melissa. I mean, what's better than that, you know? And I'm good for, I'm, I'm good friends with her husband, too, so, you know. Oh, yeah, the guy in CKY, yeah. Yeah. Did you guys ever talk about, like, maybe getting together in a movie again, um... That has nothing to do with Sleepaway Camp? We did do that in The Perfect House. We're just not in scenes together. Oh, okay. Um, we're both in the movie. You can actually, you can rent it on uh, Facebook. Um, yeah? For, they're, they're doing a limited Facebook release where you can rent it for three bucks. And, um, but that's, you know, before they roll out the DVD. But uh, it, I think it's a great way to watch it. I saw, I saw it. Um, well, I saw it, in the theater. I saw it in the theater a couple times, too. But, you know, even my wife saw it and said, I... She said, I cannot watch that again. And I was like, why? And she's like, you do things that you do when we're fighting. And <laughs> she said, that was really hard. Um, but Felissa plays a mom whose kids are getting slaughtered. It's a, it's a, you know, uh, it's a series of three vignettes. And, she, and Felissa's amazing. One of the reviewers said they, she looks like she's channeling Sigourney Weaver from Alien. Um, wow. But yeah, it's, uh, I, I recommend it highly. Okay. Yeah, guys, check that out on Facebook. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, and it's really dark. <laughs> yeah, I might just rent that tonight. <laughs> it's so much fun, I'm telling you, especially if you have that thing where you can plug it into your uh, your TV. Yep. You know, it's not 1080, it's 720, but it's fine. Yeah, it's still good. That's yeah. cool. Now, what about 10 tiers? Now, that's, you know, once you cut through all this, you know, yeah, I was Ricky, blah, blah. You're a real thing, is this band, 10 tiers, which is... Obviously, your name backwards. Right. It's like, well, I mean, you know, you know, I always tell people I didn't choose music, music chose me. And right. I started playing professionally uh, right after college uh, in, in Manhattan during that, that whole period when, when Louis Traveler and Spin Doctors were there. Okay. And Joan Osborne. And it was, you know, it was an amazing time. It's, it was, you know, uh, as soon as I started performing, I was like, gosh, this is it. But then, you know, the reality was pretty darn harsh, you know. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of jobs I didn't like just so I could continue to play. You know, a lot of uh, experiences with a bunch of guys in a van. You know, I'll never forget driving a U-Haul that had no air conditioning uh, on the 405 in California. The... Radio DJ comes on and says, the current temperature is, oh, hell, it's 50,000 degrees out there. I had my head on the dashboard, and I just was like, and, uh, but, you know, throughout that, I studied really hard. I, I became a better songwriter and better singer, and now in the movies that I've done of late, you know, I've added to the soundtracks. And, uh, I even did, yeah. you know, I did a score for a short film uh, with David Crumholtz from, uh, from Numbers, and, um, you know, I'm working on writing some uh, TV theme music for my friend Sean Crouch, um, who is working on currently three TV series. So uh, it seems like, you know, it's nice because they, they work together, and especially with what's going on in the music business right now, where, you know, nobody's making money selling albums. So No, because it's all downloaded. Exactly. And so with, you know, the real, the real new angle, and it works perfectly for me, is to, you know, get your movie, get your music on movies and television. Um, right, and that way you get paid just from that, and you don't need to sell to people at that point. Exactly, and I, and for me, then you know what I, ideally would be to be able to perform. You know, right. 
you know, I love it. I love performing. Yeah. Now, how many CDs have you made altogether, like full studio CDs? Six or seven. I can't remember. Um, okay. There's at and least people can... Yeah, there's at least four of them up on iTunes. I know that. Okay. Um, but you can go to jonathanpearson.com or, you know, you can go to SoundCloud. I mean, I'm everywhere. Uh, Amazon, you know, anywhere you can buy or download music, you can find my stuff. Cool. And what it, if people just, you know, want to check you out and see what it's all about, what would you say maybe is your best two or three songs, your favorites? There's a new one that everybody seems to like a lot, which is called Vertigo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think people go pretty goo gaga over that. Some of the older songs, um, there's one called Walk on Water that people like a lot. And uh, what else? Let's see. Oh, and then from uh, the album called Don's Club Tavern, there's a song called uh, How to Love You. That's kind of a cool rocker with, you know, uh, kind of heartfelt lyrics. You know, people say I'm somewhere between, like, you know, Van Morrison, Jeff Buckley, uh, Neil Young, it's, you know, in that, in that yeah. area. But, you know, but I'll write whatever, you know, I mean, because I wrote the theme song for The Perfect House, and that had to be sort of, you know, more like a metal tune. Yeah. How did you feel about uh, The Perfect House, and what was the other movie uh, that you did after that? I did Redemption after that, which hasn't come out yet. The Perfect House was an amazing experience, really fantastic. And, I, you know, Felissa got me the role. Oh, and, yeah? Uh, yeah, and it was so awesome. And I got to, you know, I got to play a killer, and he's kind of like a... Uh, this really sadistic guy who keeps people locked in cages in his basement, but he keeps this one girl for five years because she's his muse, and he's trying to perfect his craft. Wow. It's just the banter between the girl and, and my character, John Dozy, is so hysterical and yet twisted and sick at the same time. And uh, it was, you know, to get a role, my first big role back and have it be like that was just, a, what a gift. And, right. Uh, and he is, John Dozy is, uh, you know, I've had many people say John Dozy scares the shit out of them. Right. I've already signed on to do a prequel, so. Really? Yeah. Yeah, they're going to release it on DVD uh, October 1st. It'll, uh, it's when it's going to hit Netflix and all those places. Well, and then Redemption was uh, the one I shot with uh, George Loros from The Sopranos. He played uh, Buffalo Ray Curto, you know, the head of the Mafia family, uh, the Manhattan mm-hmm. Mafia family the tall guy with the glasses. And so that was really awesome, and I got to, I got to act opposite him, which was totally great. So, and that'll come out next year. Yeah. That's great, dude. Like, when you weren't acting for all that time, like, for a living, did you do music? Did that pay the bills, or did, you know, did you have to do that and something else? Or? Well, from time to time it paid the bills, and then sometimes it didn't. And so then I would have to, you know, get a job, and then for a while I even owned a bar. Uh, for oh, cool. two years, yeah. And we had live music there. We had uh, David Gray's first American performance. Uh, we had Ishwala. We had a lot of people play there. Uh, but uh, it was David Gray who, who was like, it was the, that was when I said, I just, I can't do this anymore. And David came to, you know, play. He was fantastic. And then he and I sat up sharing a bottle of scotch till about five in the morning. And he said, you can't do this bullshit anymore. He said, you're a musician. Go be a musician. Right. And I said, okay. So I sold the bar and, you know, went back to poverty. <laughs> <laughs> For a you number of years. Yeah. 
it, it all worked out, and now you're back in the acting business. You're doing the conventions, and I know that's got to be a great supplement for your income. Oh, it's, you know, it's, I, I am the luckiest freaking guy in the world. Uh, that's how <laughs> I looked at it. Cause it's just, it's, this is insane. I don't know how all right. this all happened, but uh, I'm so happy. And, um, you know, and I signed on to do that new movie, The Fallen One. I'm auditioning for a movie called 41A, which you can look up mm-hmm. uh, on Facebook. Uh, that's in Arizona. I'm supposed to be talking to Scott Spiegel um, coming up here soon, and I'm going to have a meeting with you on Raw. Um, so yeah, not wow. really. Yeah, not not too upset. Yeah, there's a lot of resurgence of like people who were in movies in the '80s and maybe kind of just did just one or two or whatever, and then all of a sudden they're being they're being used for a lot of work and. Rob Zombie movies, Eli Roth movies, uh, Adam Green movies, you know? There's, like, a whole thing. Yeah, yeah, seriously. I mean, thank God for those guys, right? You know? Yeah, Because uh, yeah. it's their nostalgia, you know? I mean, my it's my friend Brian Witten, who I grew up with. It's one of the biggest producers in, uh, in Hollywood. You know, he did the Chernobyl Diaries. And uh, mm-hmm. he, you know, he and I have been talking via email, and he's like, he said, I'm actively looking for something for you. Uh, we've wow. we've even talked about producing stuff together. So, wow, that's awesome! All right, man. Well, thanks so much uh, for talking to us. Uh, I know I took a lot of your time. It's been uh, more than I even asked. So, thank you for hanging with us during this retrospective. Hey, it's absolutely my pleasure, guys. I, uh, you know, it's great. You know, and I got All my right. best friend. I got my best friend out of it. And, you know, I mean, what more could I ask for? No, nothing. Nothing at all. Nothing. All right, dude. Well, looking forward to seeing you at another convention and your movie, uh, you know, or all your movies, actually. Looking forward to every one of them. Yeah, they can just go to jonathantierson.com to get, you know, updates. Uh, I try and get my webmaster updates as often as I can, but I'm not always so good about it. But, I mean, my email's on there. You can get to me on Facebook. I'll, I, I respond to everybody. I think you guys know that. So. Cool. Thanks, man. Yep, so everybody check out The the Perfect House on Facebook. You can rent it or check it out on Netflix when it comes out. And uh, check out Ten Tears, Jonathan's band, and all the songs we mentioned. All right, man, well, thanks a lot, and uh, good talking to you. Maybe I'll see you again, and we'll get drunk again with Felissa this time in a bar. (laughs) That sounds like a plan. All right, stay tuned as Mike and Dan join me for our Return to Sleepaway Camp full review Here's a cut from Jonathan's new EP, We'll See. This is Vertigo. You know the way. We'll be back in a minute. And try not to listen to what I have to say. Cause my recollection, well, it isn't so good. From takeoff to touchdown, I wish that I could. Which I'm in the 
wow, that song is it's an emotional roller coaster for my heartstrings. Yeah, it really is a good song. Oh, Christ, I forgot to ask uh, Jonathan if he got laid when he was filming Sleepaway Camp. <laughs> uh, I wonder if, you know what, I, I would think either uh, Meg or Judy. Actually, you know what, I, I would go with Judy. I think she was probably fair game during the uh, shooting of that film. All right, well, are we really going to do Sleepaway Camp, The Survivor? Yeah, I guess we got to start with that. How about you start with carpet. it and end it? See, yeah, let's do that. <laughs> see if you can it's, it's, wrap it up real quick. Go ahead. It's a really, really poorly put together film that uses the production footage from the 1992 film Sleepaway Camp for The Survivor, which was on the survival kit box set. Alex, I believe you have it. And he took the footage from 1, 2, and 3 from a shitty VHS copy and basically made a best of one, two, and three that's kind of like intertwined with this new footage to kind of make a new movie about this amnesiac. doesn't know who she is, but we're supposed to believe that she is Angela. All right, I'm already bored to tears. Uh... Yeah, it, it, it's not very good. The, the footage, like I said, was taken from a really bad VHS. Do not be like me and spend $23 with, you know, that shipping included, to buy this film. Do not do it. Wait, just Gave for that them... movie you spent that? I did, yeah. <laughs> oh my god, Mike. Okay, continue. You paid $23 so some I'm guy sure. could... I know it was over 20 I know that. So someone can splice four minutes. Actually, it might have been 20 bucks. I think it was five minutes. You know, In all fairness, it was five minutes of, of actual production footage. Okay, a five minutes... Yeah spliced into three movies you already owned. Yeah, and the movie itself was an hour and ten minutes, and it was actually like an hour and four minutes because six minutes was the the end credits went for like a crawl, and that took like five minutes, and then the opening of the movie was the actual end of part three, so that took another five minutes off. Okay. So the rest okay. was like okay. the best. Okay, you're giving me a headache. You don't right. like it, huh? I don't want to hear about this. All right, let's move on to Return to Sleepaway Camp. Now, this movie was, was filmed what year? 2003, I believe? 2003, yeah. And it was released 2008. Eight. Eight. <laughs> yeah. And the reason for this is because they wanted to do CGI. And yeah, Mickey's head in the deep, Mickey's face after the uh, deep fryer incident in the kitchen. Yeah. Why would you be worrying about CGI when you've got, like, a lead actor like that kid was? Like, you got other problems. <laughs> like, dude, You're all mean to me. That kid was the Your worst I've ever seen in my entire life, period. He was the most annoying lead character I've... Dude, okay. I wanted to get him for the show, but you guys said no. No, I don't, I don't want to talk to him. All right. Let's just say that... Okay, the fact is, even Felissa said, the movie did not do well. Now, did the movie not do well because um, Alan was just so mind-numbingly annoying? Or did it not do well because... I think one problem this movie had is that it struggled with being made in the 2000s and trying to come off as an 80s movie. Right. Well, you know what it was? You know what? I hate to say this, but it was a purely... 
I mean not purely, poorly executed reimagining of the original sleepaway camp with the roles reversed instead of a shy teenage girl that wasn't really vocal. This bullied, um, chunky kid, chunky uh, male who just wasn't likable because he wasn't quiet. He was, he just... Uh, annoying. How about the comebacks in this movie, though? Let's just get right to that. Like, the, the little zingers everybody's throwing. It's the most generic, ridiculous stuff I've ever heard. Like, who comes up with this shit? Sits around and, like, oh, yeah, that's a, that's a funny fucking line. Like, that's a good joke. Like, yeah. I want to I know, dude, because it's shit like this that makes me want to fucking just grab a camera and be like, dude, come on. Like, even I can do this better, and I've never even touched a camera before. Yeah, like, what do they think? Everybody would run around in t-shirts that says your ass stinks or something? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, that's I, a perfect I example. Like, what was that, dude? I mean, I kind of get what they're going for, but, dude, like, it was like a lame comedy, like, with, with kills in it. Yeah. Dude, like, it wasn't even that funny, though. It was no, like a, yeah, it wasn't funny. No, there were highlights to this, and I mean, when I <laughs> when I say highlights, it was all comedy shit, dude. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, the fat black girl with all her lines, dude, I was dying. <laughs> like, that was some of the funniest shit in the movie, but everything else was just lame, dude. Like, I was, I, dude, almost to the point where I was like, I can't believe these motherfuckers are making me watch this shit. Well, yeah, we had to finish this off. I mean, it wouldn't be a... If it didn't have that ending, I mean, dude, I, you could not pay me to watch this. And like I said, the only reason I watched this at the beginning is for, you know, obvious reasons, which we'll probably get to later. Yeah. Well, you know, like you said, it wasn't funny. Now, they went to be funny with a couple things. Uh, right off the bat, the kids were lighting their farts. Um, that wasn't funny. It was uh, 20 years too late. Yep. Yeah, like, that's your opening, dude. Like, that's your opening to your movie. Yeah, right? it's, it's kind of like we know where this is going. And, you dude, know? I don't want to get on here and, like, you know, sitting back on people's movies, dude. But at the no. same time, it's like, come on, dude. Like, it, it seems like, and like Felicia said, she had a great time on this flick. It seems like a bunch of people that got together probably had a fucking amazing time, was laughing at it at the same time they, they were doing it because they realized it was ridiculous. But at the same time, it's like, dude, this is what you put out to the general public. Like, I'm sorry, dude. Come on. <laughs> you we know what? We can do better than this, America. It's funny you say that. Yeah. As I'm watching it, I didn't really know who their target audience was. I'm not sure it was Sleepaway Camp fans. I'm not sure it was people that would watch in a theater. I don't know who was supposed to watch this. And But here's the thing. I'm going to say this. I didn't hate this movie. I actually, my first viewing, I liked it. The second viewing, which was the next day because I was showing somebody else, I didn't like it anymore. Then when I thought about the movie before we did this retrospective and I, I i literally was dreading sitting down and watching this and when i watched it i'll be perfectly honest i was 44 minutes in and i i did not i liked it i didn't think it was that bad like i was like gee i guess it's not that bad it moves at a pretty good pace it's not the worst thing i ever saw uh i'm, I'm sort of into this now i was four beers deep that might have had something no wonder no wonder is that what it was yeah, it definitely was. And I'm going to tell you what, I felt cheated with this movie as a Sleepaway Camp fan because when I bought it, you get the case, and it says, you know, Fulitzer Rose and Jonathan Kirsten's name on the cover. I knew, you know, from reading about it that they were involved, okay? And what's this? I mean, look, uh, obviously a spoiler here, but Fulitzer Rose is that cop. 
Jer- Officer Jerry or whatever with the uh, with the voice box. You um, guys, I really like being here. I want to tell you about smoking. Yeah, that um, <laughs> that I that I could have done without. I mean, I didn't realize that it was Felissa, and I I think that that was a downfall because I don't think she was in the movie nearly enough as herself. That's number one. Number two, they say Jonathan Kirsten's going to be in it, and you just see him like 44, 45 minutes oh. in at a construction site. He's like, hey, what's site. up, guys? Somebody called me? It's like, what? And then tell me how weird this is, okay? At the end of the movie, like at the climax, he just shows up at Camp Manaby from, like, nowhere. He just shows right. up. Where the fuck did you come from, that's dude? What, that's what He's like, somebody called me. Hey. He comes in with his Slim Shady haircut. I'm not ragging on him. But I'm oh, the Slim Shady? Yeah, he gives a blonde hair. Yeah, he um he shows up and he goes, yeah, I came here just to prove it's not me. And he's like, we don't think it's you, Ricky. Bullshit. <laughs> you know, I thought he was going to start I, going, cocksuckers, pricks. He said the sheriff call. He's like, you called me with that. You know, remember he was like, the sheriff called me here. Wasn't it, that it? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> I I honestly felt bad for him. Because it's like, look, he's not, I don't think he was being used. I don't think either of them were being used to their potential in this nope. movie. No. It's just like Halloween 2, dude. You get Jamie Lee right. Curtis back, and what do you do with her? You lay her in a bed for two, two hours? Like, what the right. hell is this? <laughs> One hour and 33 minutes, but that's beside the point. Oh, God, you're annoying. The um, But the whole thing that I don't get is the way that I think it should have gone was don't think that um, Vincent Pastor from The uh, Sopranos should have been the camp owner. I think the way they should have done it was Ronnie should have come back in the role of, you know, that Mel Ploid in the original camp owner. And then Ricky should have been the Ronnie character. Well, that would be sad. No, you know what? Come on. That's like, uh, that's like ridiculousness, though, because you got to think, what, because Ricky went to camp as a kid? He's so into it that he wants to run one now and, like, work there and stuff? Like, it's just, dude, even having Ronnie there was ridiculous. That would have been more plausible than just throwing him in there, like, just just to use the name, just to use, you know, just for the character's sake. They throw him in there. It was like an afterthought, almost. Yeah, it, yeah it's, it's like Ronnie's back, and then you, you sit there, and just when you wonder why, like, a 60-year-old man still works at a camp, you find out that he's a junior partner. At 60, still a junior partner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I guess life really never worked out for you, eh, Ron? <laughs> right, right. Hey, are you guys uh, Sopranos fans, or...? No. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I'm getting into them, yeah. Well, because his name on the thing is Big Pussy. And big that's, Pussy, that's yep. and, and I like how the kids are, get away from me, you big pussy. I noticed that line. That was pretty good. We'll, we'll throw it to that. But. Just to get back to Ricky's scenes real quick, though, like... I don't know. When I was watching it, it just struck me as sad. I mean, he was like the lead in the original movie. I think he got like a total of four minutes of screen time. And and they did the same botch-up job with Angelo, just like Mike said. What the hell, dude? And, you know, we just heard the interview with Ricky, and he said he didn't think he was a very good actor in in this movie because his his head was just too messed up from personal problems. Do you agree? I mean, I think the first scene was a tad off, but the acting, when he came back to the camp at night, that was off. It was off, dude, but I didn't even notice it because everybody else's acting was fucking worse. <laughs> right. No, he was he was the shy, he was the bright spot. 
among, you know, a sea of problems. I mean, because Vincent Pastor, as the manager, was, was out of place. And I, I think Ronnie, for his part, was just, he didn't even, to me, seem like he wanted to be there. Like, he was just playing the character, you know, maybe it's like a, a favor. I don't even think he really was into it. It didn't even, it didn't seem like it. The only person that I felt was into the performance was Felissa. Um. Well, I'm, I'm yeah, look, you may disagree. But, but I'm going to tell you, I, I think that she, one, that was really, I think, all there and, you know, giving her all. The other ones, I think, just could care less. I think they Maybe gave they their all, Mike, but they just sucked, so that was their all, unfortunately, dude. <laughs> like, Mike, you you know, you're, you're a director or an aspiring director, like, you know, with, with all the... No, animals, I've, 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 made, I've made 30 some odd films. So yeah, I have, I've so worked you're, with. So you're an aspiring director. He presses record. <laughs> so you've worked with actors before and stuff like that. Now, yeah. are you completely amazed with all their performances in every scene? I mean, let's just fucking come down right to it. You know, they're not well, professionals or whatever. Can, I, can I be honest? Can, can I be honest with you? Yes. I uh, think that I've worked with people that have done a better job than the majority of the cast in Return to Sleepaway Camp. Jim Hyde Jr. All right, real quick, yeah. though. You know how, Dan, me and you always get a, a real kick out of, like, the poor man's actor? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> the lead girl, a poor man's Reese Witherspoon. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Ooh, good one, dude. And then... Wait, which which one is that? Karen? Karen. Yeah. Then? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I didn't dig her too much. I liked Pete, the female, uh, the counselor. I liked her. But check this out. TC, a poor man's Ryan Felipe. Oh, uh, what, dude? Isn't that weird? And they're married. I wonder if they meant to put the two poor man versions of those people in the movie. You know what, dude? Wait, they're not married, are they? Uh, yeah, I don't know if they still are. I know they were. Uh, who who cares? Uh, anyway. I think it's Reese Witherspoon and Ryan. I think his name is... Uh, Ryan Felipe. No, no. It's actually Felipe. Whichever. Yeah, they're not they're not married. Yeah, like that girl, she had a nice rack, but a total butterface. I liked her brunette friend, dude. I thought she was even more good looking, you know, like her. Who's that? Uh, I don't know, dude. I don't even know if she had a name in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I could ask you guys a question. Yes. Do you think he would have enjoyed this movie more so if there was a nudity factor to it? No. Uh, it depends who who's getting nude. Uh... <laughs> Alex is like, what you got? Yeah, what do you got? What do you got for me? Um, now, what, what do you think about what if what if you would have seen that one counselor? I forget his name, but he sounded like he was a man from down down under, with the uh, barbed wire on Randy. his uh, junk. Yes. Now, what if they would have shown that actual uh, kill where you see it separate? You know, get yanked off. They did. I, well, they did, but they, they didn't do a did, close up. Yeah. Yeah, I saw the dick as it pulled away. You know, oh, did you, bro, I didn't you... notice that. I, I was thinking about the kills in this movie, you guys. A lot of them were like, I don't want to say saw-ish, but they were like traps and stuff like that. It wasn't like just an axe kill or a, or a, or a stick in, in, in part two or whatever. Like They were <laughs> no, pretty three. intricate traps or, or whatever you want to call them, you know? The Mickey kill in the kitchen was just a rehash yeah. of the Artie kill right. in the kitchen. No, yeah, dude, right. it's not a rehash. It's a, it's a nod. Yeah. It's a tribute. Yeah, just, yeah exactly. exactly. Yeah, but it's, a, it's, it's just... 
it's an overly done poor. Oh, get out of here. Take a, take a walk. About, Get off. How about the throwback to the, uh, remember the kids in the first movie um, spying on the chicks? How about the kid in this movie who comes in with all the panties around his head and he's like, I got 20 of them. I didn't even notice that. <laughs> Come on. That was one of the best parts. It was right before that dude got the stick uh, in his eye. Yeah, what uh, about uh, that? Ryan that was Felipe, weird. Poor man's friend, right, Felipe. <laughs> yeah. That was that was another trap, and then, yeah. and then you got uh, the kid that got tied up and then pumped full of gasoline and then she lit yeah. a joint in his mouth. That kill had to scare you half the death, Dan, when he's like, when he's getting the gasoline, he's like, and then he gets like... Oh, dude, I've had some dangerous times fucking lighting joints over the years. But yeah, what is that kid from, though? He's a child actor. What is that? He was driving me crazy. What is that kid from? Like, I know you guys... What's his name? If you you can give me his name, I could probably tell you where he's from. That's all right. What about... Uh, (laughs) (laughs) He's like, that's all right. Yeah, I don't really want to get too involved with that guy. Okay. But the oil death... The boiling oil. That was pretty good, though, man, because... But you know what, though? He could have got out of that. Like, when, when Angela lifted him and his legs were still, like, level with the floor, he could have just, like, pulled his knees in and let go and dropped to the floor. It would have hurt, but he could have got out of that. He didn't have to get to the point where she's lifting him straight down into the oil. And, um... <laughs> but... <laughs> that was, uh... <laughs> but that was cool how they made, like, the oil bubble while his head was in it. That was pretty cool. Uh-oh. Well, that's what happens when you put fries in, in oil. I really, dude, I like the kills in this movie. I no, they were good. Pretty good, yeah. But you know what? I, here's what gets me mad. They waited five years to release this because of CGI. Dude, all the stuff that wasn't CGI was great, and all the stuff that was was terrible. Like, yeah. why couldn't you just have Vincent Pastore's head on top of a dummy and... He's standing behind the dummy, kind of like Kevin Bacon in Friday 1, and then have a rubber body with rats crawling inside of an open stomach. Why not do that? Who the hell cares if it's CGI? Then the guy, after he brings his head out of the the boiling oil, why couldn't that just be a freaking Halloween mask all done up nice with bones and meat and tendons and, you know, like that all fried up? Why the CGI face? Well, and Alex, more importantly, though, dude, this is supposed to be like, what, a throwback to 80s movies? Yeah. All about practical kills. That's the gimmick. That's the thing. That's what people you know, want. Hatchet does practical kills, and that came out a year before this movie. The original Hatchet came out in 2007. So I think they should have taken a page from Hatchet and just did all practical effects. Oh, and then even even um, even the girl Linda, after the guy gets his penis torn off, she drives. She she looks at the barbed wire, sees it, doesn't duck down. But dude, when that barbed wire was wrapped around her face, that was good and that was normal. Yeah. That was regular makeup. Yeah. Like, yeah, it was all good. And dude, didn't she like remind you of like a Cenobite? Yeah, dude, the kills crazy. were so great though. How about the uh, the chick when she comes in and she's like, "Who's been going through my shit?" And she sees all the candy bars. First of all, when you see the killer up in the rafters, dude, I'm sorry, like that that room was pretty well lit. How could you not see somebody up there? Like Damn. honestly, who throws a cupcake? And well, anyway, she was yeah. Well, she was more you know concerned with the candy because obviously she's a bigger girl and she <laughs> likes her chocolate. Uh, Mike, be the bigger person and don't mention that. That w- but wait, who did they get to play that? Wasn't that um, Gabrielle Sidibe? <laughs> it looked like her, but no, it was not. No, I could have sworn that was her first uh, Emmy nomination. No, well, no, that was Precious. Oh, Precious. 
I like how he was like, you fat fuck. Like, they didn't hold back in this movie <laughs> with no. the insults. <laughs> but, yeah. And what's with, with Alan not changing or not washing at all? He's clearly, he clearly is not a woman yeah. in disguise. So he can shower with anybody that he wants to. Why did he not? Like, he just looks like a disgusting pig. I'm sorry. But you know, but... All right. I want to touch on something here, guys, real quick, because I went to camp for a few years. Now, compared to the other movies, dude, I'd say, like, unfortunately, this is probably closer to real life than all the other ones, dude. Like, I know people like that kid, unfortunately. There are just people like that, man, and it's it's horrible, and, you know, sometimes you find yourself on one side of the coin where, you, yeah, you'll get teased or whatever, or you might be the teasing, whatever. so everybody can relate to that, but, dude, I thought that was kind of spot on, that, not necessarily the insults and how they, how they said them, but pretty much tone tonally it was yeah. it was kind of it was kind of right on dude like that's one thing i noticed i was like dude this is, this kind of reminds me of like real life you know what i mean it it did it, it yeah you're right but here's the thing here's what bothered me about alan's character besides the you know amazingly annoying whole deal with him yeah he right as soon as the movie starts he he starts right off like a bully who's really threatening right and then like instamatically he comes off as the butt of the joke with all the other kids. He's a pussy who likes frogs and thinks there is only friends. He says, that's not my lighter. He goes, I don't care. And he grabs it. And you think, like, the kids are all afraid of him. And then right away, when he lights his fart and it's like a dud and the kids are all laughing at him, he goes, what are you laughing at? Like, he's right away, he, he's already the butt of the joke. Now, it it makes you wonder if he if he acts like an asshole to people because they picked on him exactly. or or did they pick on him because he picks on them no i don't know how it works yeah i think it's a defense mechanism dude talking about kids that got bullied man that's what you see they try to be the tough guys like those are the most defensive kids dude that get picked on and and they just come they come off as complete assholes dude because i mean better better someone else than them you know what i mean yeah that's not some real shit, but yeah, exactly. Like the, his whole character though was so stupid, like all around, dude. Yeah. Like, like, like just the, his whole fucking demeanor, like like how he, like, like you said, picking on the poor kid with the glasses, dude. He flicks like potatoes at him. <laughs> he started it. The the kid who looks like Paul from the Wonder Years. He didn't do anything to him. You know what I mean? He was just sitting there. He's like, he started. It. He was like, no, I didn't. It's just a weird dynamic to to tr- yeah. like the. The interaction with he's like the loser who everybody, all the cool kids make fun of, but he's a bully. And yeah, I guess that sort of makes sense, but I don't know, man. It's like a weird. I didn't know why he acted like that or why they treated him like. Well, you can know why they treated him like that because he looks like he does, he smells like he does, he has no hygiene, he's a loser, um, and all that stuff. But whatever. But you know, it's just weird because like even in like Christmas Story, like I don't think Flick, Ralphie, and Randy thought like Scott Farkas was a loser that they made fun of. <laughs> they were just plain scared of the bully at that point. Yeah, exactly. This guy was like a joke. You know, I don't know. Hate me, love. Now another pot reference, Dan. What did you think of when they made him smoke shit? <laughs> um, I thought it, I thought it was I pretty what that funny. Dude. Like. I'll be honest with you though, the way they were trying to get that kid to smoke it, dude. Like same thing. That's what I mean though about this kind of being like close to real life, dude. I've been in situations like that with with, with the fucking stoner kids, and they're trying to get the prepier kids or whatever to smoke weed, and it's like, come on, you pussy, fucking take a real hit and stuff like that. So I was like, wow, like I saw a lot in this fucking movie that I noticed, you know? 
Yeah. Like that was, you know, I could remember growing up, dude, and a lot of those things happened. So I mean, props to them on on that aspect. They they hit they hit all their marks. Um, but that's about it. That's pretty much. Yeah, that's all I gotta say. Oh, dude, I, guilty or not, man, when Alan's brother was beating the fuck out of him with that mallet, I felt no pity for that asshole. No. Stupid fuck. You wanted them to die. You wanted them to get beat to death. Oh, God, I loved it, dude. I hated that character, dude. I hated him. Oh. How about when they skinned the frog? Yeah, when they skinned the frog. And his reactions. Why did you do that? They're my friends. frog. Uh, but you know what's weird? The whole movie was focused on Alan, and by the end of it, it was... It, he, Angela was the killer, so his character really had no... um resolve or had no closure like what even happened to him i don't he just got hit with a mallet and he lived okay. i guess yeah. okay, you know good. what I got, I got a question for you where did angela even come from to kill people what was her motivation to even kill people why would she come to that camp of all the other camps i, I don't get it well, probably because Ronnie's work. And hey, how did she end up at the same camp Ronnie's working at? Yeah, how did she <laughs> know that? She's been locked up in an institution, and Ricky's gone to visit her like every two or three weeks. Well, you know what they said when she was walking and peeling the shit off her face? She was like, everybody, you know, they don't learn. They still pick on people. They didn't know I was here. So obviously she's now defending. Before, you know, in part two and three, she was the enforcer of morals. Morals, right. Yeah, now she's the she's back to the, the motivation of part one, where she gets people who pick on her, but now she's she'll do it for other people. Right. She's that invested in people not getting picked on. And I got that from, from the script and stuff, dude, but I just, um, it, it doesn't seem like it's, it, it seems like they, they just, come up with an excuse for for somebody to kill as opposed to like you know a jason where you explain it once and then you don't have to explain it again or if you do explain it again it's all referencing this one thing they've kind of jumped around with why why angela kills and why these things go on so whatever it's just a reason you know basically a reason just to make another sequel with Angela being locked up, and she comes back, and she has the same motivation, I think they were, like, pulling an H2O move and, like, ignoring part two and yep. three. Yep. Right? I agree. It was a direct sequel. I mean, dude, they even had those kids running around in those high, high, sh- those uh, short shorts. Whenever you make a sequel, though, <clears throat> that's that's been a long, you know, period, extended period of time in between them, dude... It's almost like straight to DVD mixed with, you know, like a couple cameos here. Like it's almost like trying so fucking hard to yeah. where as if they it just seems like if they would have done it right, like that this could have been a great movie, dude. Like, you know what I mean? I, I don't understand. Here's what I'll tell you. You rewrite the jokes, you redo the soundtrack, and you get better actors and you get a better wardrobe to fit what you're trying to do, you know, you could have some more neutral looking clothes if you want to make it look more 80s or have that feel, uh, change the lighting a little bit here and there, and this movie goes up three notches. <laughs> yeah, but that's a whole different movie. <laughs> you just change every hour. Oh, and, and you know what, beef up, uh... Change the script, change the... <laughs> do you want to know the effects of smoking? I am not Angela, no matter what you might be thinking. <laughs> yeah. Um, I am not the killer. Oh, man. I really did. I, I like how uh, 
I wasn't surprised because by the time we got to this movie and we already interviewed Felissa, I, I, I already knew, you know, well about this movie and stuff like that. But just uh, overall, it sucks. I think that last scene was great, dude. Oh, okay. Let's uh, get to that at least. Yeah, let's let's just jump right to that. Okay. Let's, yeah, let's, that's let's, anyway. great. The only time she came out and was Angela for real. Uh, I'm sorry. I think, oh, God, I feel so bad because I love her and we just interviewed her. I just think um, she, it was a little over the top, the the laugh. And I think what she was trying to do was to recreate that face, but right make there. it more realistic by laughing right. and not just yep. standing there with that, uh, uh, you know, at least have some realism with well, a laugh. she really doesn't have the voice to go, uh, uh, you know. So. Right. No, I, uh, Jesus. <laughs> I, I, I'm so glad you're getting my point, Mike. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, no, I'm just saying, she doesn't have the voice to go, Anyway, the point being, the point is that she's trying to recreate something and it was too forced. I, and it's not her fault. I don't, I think, I don't know what you could have done with that. If somebody tells you to make that face again while laughing like a maniac, I guess that's what it would be like. But then the whole, the whole thing where she closed her mouth and looked into the camera at the end, like, what the hell? I, again, it's direction. And I like Robert Hiltzik. I love his first movie, and I just, uh, I don't know. It's a shame he couldn't come for kind of, like, give us his uh, thought process for, you know, what he was thinking. You know, because maybe his goal for this movie was different. Maybe it looked, maybe it was different on paper, and then when it's executed, it you know. Yeah, all it right. just turned into the shit that it actually is. Your ass smells. Uh, I mean, come on. Your ass stinks. Yeah. Your yeah, ass yeah. Stinks. Your ass stinks. How many times did they throw that in, dude? It was on paper. It sucked. I'm sorry. And even the bird, even the bird saying it, you know that that dude that Vincent Pastor's bird. Yeah, were we supposed to laugh at that? Your ass That's- stinks. I don't know. Given, all right. The comedy say, was so you're horrible. you're giving X amount of money, though, guys, honestly. Do you think you could come up with a better movie than this? Uh, probably not. I could, you know, in, in real ability, no. I don't think I could. But what would I have... If, if they allowed me to sit down with the script, yeah, I would yeah, fix oh, that yeah, up. Okay, if you got to write it. I'm sorry. Yeah, if you got to write the script out. I mean, it, it's hands down, yes, dude. That's why I feel like it's like a it's like a comedy, dude, but it's not fucking funny. Almost to the point where it sounds like it's a big inside joke with all the people that made it. Yeah. Like, they think it's the funniest thing, which, dude, that's what I'm saying. Like, there's things that, you know, me and my buddies find funny that nobody else in the world would. Do you know what I mean? And right. it's like, it's just one, of, I think it's one of those type of things, so it kind of gets in the pa- a pass in that aspect, but as far as, like, general, like, consumption and putting this in the same, you know, with part one, two, and three, it's like, get out of here, dude. Yeah. So besides the movie, there's no what the F moments. Well, you guys hang around <laughs> for the end of the credits and see that scene with, with Angelo, you know, stopped by the cop and she puts the car down on him and crushes him. I think I did see it the first time I watched it. Yeah. I, I forgot it now. That was probably her Felicia's like only scene of hers that I thought was was really good. I wish that there would have been more of those in the film. Right. Well, okay. Would you guys rather have this movie or no, no movie, dude? Movie. Uh, no movie. Fuck yeah, no movie. 
All Dude, right. this goes back to when we were talking to her about remaking it. She was talking about trying to get it going or whatever. I, I'd rather have it remade. Than yeah. Remade. That's what I'm saying, though. Like, do it right, dude. And it, it it's hard. Which way do you go? Do you go 80s cheese style? Do you, do you go, like, you know, relevant movie but throwback to the 80s? Like, there's so many cool ways you could go with it. And, and to come out with a movie like this is almost just like, oh, fuck, you know? I'll, you know what? I'll tell you what, I'll, what I would think about a remake. And you know what? I'm probably going to get slammed aid for this opinion. But if you're going to remake it, uh, I don't think Robert Hodzik should involved with writing the script. I really don't. Yeah, uh, I know. I didn't After wanna... watching this again, I don't, I don't think he should. I think that you have to get something in there. You have to get a different point of view because... He's going to try to make a movie like it's 1983 again, and that's right. not going to work. <laughs> Dude, it's the same thing that happened to Rob Zombie's Halloween. Weinstein's wanted to make it the first Halloween. Rob Zombie wanted to make it his. You keep pulling on each direction, it falls flat in the middle. You, if you don't push to one direction or the other one, there is no direction, and it's, it's, it's pushed on too many sides, and it falls flat. I think I think he still made that work, but dude, Halloween should have been two different movies, like two separate movies, like one should and two. Have. Yeah, should have, but it was still good. No, that's what I'm count. saying. I think no, I think he did a great job. But just going going back to like the remakes and stuff, dude. Like, sorry, dude, you can do you can do Sleepaway Camp, but all right, it has a following enough to where a big studio could grab it, which I'm surprised they haven't yet, dude. With all the remakes, no, they, they they won't. Do you they think won't. no? No, I'm going to tell you this. If this gets remade, um, here's here's what I think should happen. Um, maybe get somebody like have Lionsgate get involved, or even have Anchor Bay get involved, okay. and have them do it. But get somebody else to to write the script and direct it. I'm sorry, but like right. I said, yeah, you know, it's Dan. This has about as good of a chance as making. A big studio remake as Ghoulies, House, um, uh, Troll, yeah, yeah. How you know those movies? Um, t- name any other like kind of B horror movie that that's about the level this is at, and it ain't getting picked up, man. I'm you so don't pr- think so, dude? Eventually, the wine like, scenes won't even. No, dude, the wine scenes won't even touch this movie. No, there's no interest in it. No, that's why the the only way you're going to see it. Is, is Anchor Bay will do it. I guarantee you, eventually, if it's going to get remade, that's the best shot, I think. That's the best they shot. They put out crap like fucking Chernobyl Diaries, but we'll talk about that later. Yeah, next show, we'll try to cover things we've missed. Well, I guess that's about it. I guess, uh, you know, everybody got our general consensus here. No need for ratings, gentlemen, right? This movie sucked. Yeah, I don't, I don't think, I don't think we should, uh, we should we should have to go for the rating on this one because it's no. just, it's gonna be low, so why why even bother? I found it mildly enjoyable this time around, but I cannot say I recommend it because I'm not sure anybody else will find it enjoyable. So that's that. All right, well <laughs> there you go. So all right, we'll tune in on June 13th, and we have a another special Friday 13th show for you. We got a couple of interviews coming your way. Uh, we're not going to sit there and talk about all movie, all the 12 movies again, but no. we will talk to the people in the movie. Yeah. So, for Mike and Dan, this was your Sleepaway Camp retrospective. Hope you enjoyed it, 
and don't ask us to do another one for a real fucking long time. Yeah. <laughs> We're back to regular shows now. We're back to regular bullshit. Yep. Yeah. <laughs>